Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Father Park. Hi. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Beth. Hi, Father. Great to see you. (laughs) Yeah, because we're here, all three in person. Yes. I love that. We're not doing a phone interview. Nope. Father Parks is right here. Yes. On on my couch. And we just got done doing a little promo for Ireland. Pretty exciting. So exciting. It's especially exciting when I ruined every last take. We had a lot of takes. I can attest to Father Parks messing up a lot as well. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. We we do laugh a lot together. Humanity's about honesty. (laughs) I'm not mad about it. We got it. Yeah. So Father Parks, do you mind telling a little bit about yourself? Uh, I am the, the vicar for evangelization, which means vicar comes from the word vicarious. So it means on behalf of. So I speak on behalf of Bishop Olmsted. Evangelization is the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And so my job is to assist Bishop Olmsted in helping our parishes and schools get better at evangelizing. That's amazing. That's yeah. your job. It's my job. It's actually everyone's job. Yeah, I, just I was just going to say that. I just have the title. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. I just went to Mass last Sunday. and I encourage that. (laughs) The homily was about, like, never stop telling your story. And it just reminded me of the charisma in general. Like, just don't ever stop telling the story of Jesus. Yes. And his goodness. And, you know, like, and how he's working in you. The priest is like, if the Lord has saved you out of sin, talk about his mercy. If he has showered you with blessings talk about god's generosity if he has like all of these beautiful examples and it was just don't ever stop telling the story of what jesus has done in your life Amen. and it's so simple it's just our story it's just our life can i can i just share a couple of things with that yeah the first is just for our, our listeners so <laughs> kerygma is the greek word for proclamation and it always refers to the gospel which is like the good news of Jesus Christ. And Evangelion was like good news after a battle. So you'd go out of battle, you win a war, and then there'd be like a good news, like we won the battle. Cool. So this is like the great victory that Jesus has conquered sin and death. And then my favorite description of a testimony, which is basically what you're talking about, yeah. is you tell your story, but Jesus is the hero. Oh, what? So good. So I'm telling my story, but Jesus is the hero. Like, What has Jesus done for my life? And then uh, kind of like a three things you can do, which are super simple to become better at being an evangelist, is to know the story, which is to know like the story of the scriptures, what Jesus has done, reading the gospels constantly, to know your story. So how has Jesus been the hero of my life? And then to share your story. Look for opportunities. And in my experience, when you actually pray, like, Lord, I give you permission mm-hmm. to use me, it's shocking how often the Lord will put you in situations where you something else. Can I tell a quick story? Yeah. <laughs> so I recently went on a trip to London, which was really delightful. And I got on the plane and I prayed, Lord, if there's anyone you want me to talk to or minister to, please make that known. I sit down. I know it's going to be like a 12-hour flight. There's four seats. I'm on the aisle. The other guy's on the other aisle. There's two seats empty between us. We sit down. He's like, I don't know, maybe like 50, like mid-50s, Middle Eastern man. And he looks at me. I've never seen this guy before in my life. And he says, do you remember me? And I'm thinking, what? like this poor man, I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry, we've never met before. Yeah. And he says, Father Parks? And I was what? Like, what? Yeah, uh, that's who I am. And then uh, he was the parent of one of the kids that I used to teach at high, the high school. No. So it was incredible. And wow. the two seats in between us never got taken. 
on a 13 hour flight. They were just open. Wow. So anyway, I, the reason I want to tell you that's just one of those moments. Like you give God permission. God, I want to share my story. I want to proclaim how good you are. And they just happen all over the place. I think people think that they don't have the courage though to do it. Even if the opportunity were to present itself, I think we already, are, I operate out of fear of like, I wouldn't know what to say or they'll think I'm weird. Yeah. You know, like all the normal things, but so on top of praying for those divine appointments, kind of, do, should we pray for more courage in that moment? Yeah. And I would say that for me, I'm, I'm basically a coward and I think everyone's basically a coward. Yeah. Cause if you think about it before the Holy Spirit, it's not like the apostles were doing pretty good. And then totally. when the Spirit comes, they're doing like a lot better. It's yeah. not like a B vitamin. Yeah. They're terrified, locked in a room, waiting to be persecuted. And then after the Holy Spirit, they're like on fire. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I pray all the time, like the Holy Spirit, give me the courage. But even in the moment, I'm a priest, but even in the moment, there's this fear of like, I can't do this. Yeah. But nobody can argue with your story. It's your story. And so I think because we're Americans and like religious freedom, we think we're imposing something on people. But Pope Benedict says, faith is never imposed. It's only proposed. Mm-hmm. And all I'm doing is I'm just telling you what Jesus has done for me. How can you argue with that? And I was trying to remind myself that we do that with everything. Like, when people get a new gym or they like this restaurant or a movie, they tell everyone about it. But it's, for some reason, we don't say like, oh, this has radically so changed true. my life. Here's what so Jesus true. has done for me. So, yeah, it does take courage. But I, I think the Holy Spirit's the key of like this joy that just wells up out of you. You're like, what am I going to do? I think before the Holy Spirit, you think to yourself, what's going to happen to me if I do this? And then mm. after the Holy Spirit, you think, what's going to happen to that other person if I don't do this? Wow. Totally. And then, you know, you just yeah. Do it. Yeah, I think there's a responsibility there eventually that you start to think about too. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I was thinking about my friend Sarah, who she just had this like mind blowing revelation. She bought these raspberries at Fry's that were 89 cents a pack. And she started telling everybody how amazing these raspberries are. And she'd be, you guys, at 89 cents. 89 cents right now at Fry's? And she was like, I became an evangelist of these raspberries. And it was a real like come to Jesus moment for her to say, why am I more excited to tell people about 89 cent raspberries at Fry's than I am to tell people about Jesus? That's the best news in the world. And I would say an easy way to think about evangelization is you're just showing and telling, like show and tell. (laughs) So by the way you live your life, there's something compelling or interesting or mysterious about your life. And then you're asking God for opportunities to just to tell people about it. I feel like, wow, there's something different about you. And like, here's here's the difference. I think some people, we get this a lot on Teachable Tuesday. A lot of people are living in a lot of suffering and a lot of, you know, hard times. And so I think they view themselves as someone, not that it's true, but they view themselves as someone really negative or someone kind of just like living in sorrow because of the phase in life they're in or whatever the circumstances are. And I think they think, I don't know how to be joyful like that. You know, like, how is it that you can have that radical joy, you know, to even as the jumping point? Yeah, because I think when people ask me about like, how, what do you say? How do you start a conversation? And And for a long time, I thought I was cowardly because I didn't start a lot of conversations, but a lot of conversations started because of other people asking me that question of like, why are you like that? Like, where does that joy come from? So I didn't even have to initiate a lot of conversations because I had this relationship with Jesus that 
enlivened my whole life. And it energized me that even on bad days, there was still like this deep and secure joy and peace to my life. And so for me, that was the beginning of evangelization for other people or beginning of conversations of how to evangelize people was just because they saw or thought they saw that I had something that they didn't. So the Lord sort of did the work for me in that. So they saw you eating your raspberries. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted some of those raspberries. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. And um, that's really good. I think it's always helpful to remember that the first thing ever said in like a Christian homily is we're not drunk. Right. Like that's at Pentecost. The first thing said. I mean, he literally says like, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Like we're not, we're not drunk. Right. So like what they call the sober intoxication of the spirit, like when I'm alive with the Holy Spirit, there's this joy. As far as somebody who feels they're in pain, you know, the Bible says rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. And it's like a command, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. like even like you just like declare this over your life. And, you know, even if I'm, if I'm suffering, if there's a realization that I'm not alone in it, obviously being a Christian doesn't mean like our life is always like cupcakes and butterflies. But even in my suffering, if there's an awareness that I'm not alone in this, that, that the God of the universe is with me and is loving me in it and through it, I do think at the bottom floor, there can be a, a joy there, right? Like, I'm not alone in this. And that God's answer to my suffering is himself. And there's a presence that I can experience even in the midst of my suffering. I think you're a total witness of that, Father Parks. I think people are super attracted to your prayer life and your joy and Christ because of those things. So do you have any, um, I don't know, tips? How does somebody how does somebody begin to tap into that joy of the Lord? That's a really good question. I mean, first of all, I would say that um, prayer is obviously essential. You have to pray. You have to have a relationship with the Lord. That looks different for other people's lives. So mm-hmm. as a priest, there's a job that I can pray, which is, would be, for Jenna, would be just like not good, right? It would. If I was like, you need to have an hour in silence every day. Like, I haven't had an hour in silence in eight years yeah. <laughs> like, or whatever. <laughs> it's just not feasible, right? The Lord yeah. gave me these children for a reason and you have a husband and that creates noise. And that's that's good, right? That's super <laughs> good, right? So whatever it is, that, and according to our state in life that God calls us to have prayer. But I feel like when I'm in tune with like the will of God and really trying to do his will, I just find like a joy wells up inside of me. I mean, like little things, like I'll be driving and I'll just feel this like great joy about like, I can't believe it's real. Like, I just can't believe, like, this is all real. Like, God loves me, and I'm a part of his mission, and he's, he's incredible. And I want to share with you a little story about uh, St. Therese. She was a really good novice mistress. It means that like, she's in charge of helping the novices get better. And shockingly, a saint was really good at that. And somebody <laughs> once asked her, like, what's your secret? And she said two things. I do everything for God, and I do everything with God. Mm. That's that's my secret. Mm. And, you know, in light of the resurrection, like everything is, Jesus is the king, so everything is his kingdom, so everything should be for him, we should be building his kingdom, and we can do everything with him. So I think prayer gives me an awareness that I'm just not alone, that the Lord is with me. I'd say on a practical level, um, gratitude is like the opposite of jealousy and envy. So if I struggle with jealousy or envy, or like I wish I had what that person had, I'm so frustrated, oftentimes it's easy not to focus on what I do have. So gratitude is a concrete way for me to say, oh, God is doing things in my life. I have these gifts, which means there's a giver who's present mm. in some ways, right? Yeah. The other thing is, I don't know about you, but sometimes like you get jealous of somebody and then you're like, oh, I shouldn't be jealous. And I'm thinking about the fact that I shouldn't be jealous. I'm thinking more about that because like this rabbit hole that I can't get out of. Um, somebody once told me that the way to like break that cycle is to just say, oh, first realize I'm doing that. Oh, I'm doing that thing. And uh, just think of like one really simple, concrete act of love, because love is always other oriented. Mm. Like it gets me out of myself. Yes. 
So I could be driving and I'm like, I'm just going to say a Hail Mary for this person. Super simple. Mm. I don't have to do anything dramatic, but it's an act of love for this other person. I'd say those are a way to sort of break me out of uh, my own little egocentric world and invites me to the really exciting, like theocentric world. Like God is the center and I'm revolving around him, you know? I and get like that when I'm really angry. <laughs> when Somebody I'm really mad, I start like cleaning everything, uh-huh. but that's probably more like selfish. I'm not doing it to like be nice to people and clean. I'm more like doing it because I like have to like physically do something to uh-huh. like get out of my anger. <laughs> yeah, but that's like a really good thing to do. You know what I mean? I mean, it's better than punching walls, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. Punching yeah. walls. You know. Some people work out. That's probably a good way to let that out too. I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes you need some endorphins, you know? Sometimes you got them off the floor. Endorphins? Endorphins, you know, like the things that are released in the exercise. Isn't it endorphins? Oh, sorry, it's endorphins. <laughs> English is my first language. Uh, I'm from South Scottsdale, you guys. I have an accent, okay? Father, is there like a question that people like can't wait to ask priests? Like one thing where it's like, I've been just dying. I wish I had a priest to ask this to. I don't think so. Not like one burning question. No. Yeah. Um, Do you work with the supernatural? Yes. That's that's real. (laughs) The best. That's a real question. Um, No, I would say there's just like a general, people are generally just kind of intrigued by priests. Like when I meet people on plane rides. Yeah. They're like, what are you? Tell me about that. So that's kind of fun. It's one of my favorite parts about being a priest is just being a priest, like in public and yeah. meeting people. And it's kind of a, I don't know, for some people, it's, like, it's a little intriguing because I'm just other. Right. Like, what is that? And you're, when you're celibate, too, I think that's the most mysterious part. Yeah. Like, in a sex obsessed culture, it's like, wait, you're celibate? What does that even look like? You know? So, right. Mm-hmm. Do you what do they say in scripture? Like, a sign of contradiction. Your life stands in contradiction to the culture. Yes. Yeah. That is correct. Uh, a question that I have is what would you tell yourself, like what would your present self tell your past self when blessed as she was just getting started? Like what have you learned in this journey that you would tell yourself? What would my present self tell myself yes. four years ago? I mean, I'm a very simple minded person, <laughs> which I've like, seen as negative a lot of times but positive a lot of times also so the only thing i could think to tell myself is you can do this so that's all it's very simple and why would you tell yourself that i think just reminding myself on cruddy days that you can do this like you were given this for a reason you can do it and that's how i feel about my life too in general on hard days as a mom or hard days as a wife Parties as a friend, like you can do this. You were made for this. That's really good. What about you, Father? Tell yourself before you became a priest, uh-huh. what would you tell your past self? Not reincarnation past self. Because <laughs> we're against that. <laughs> um, I think I would just say, like, it's so worth it. Mm. Like, you're going to love it. That's so cool. So, yeah. Before you send on the dotted line, you're like, can I actually do this? And now that I'm doing it, I'm just like, this is awesome. Yeah. So it's not always easy, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beth? Um, what would I tell my... Past self. 
younger self, do you mean? Yes. Maybe that's more precise <laughs> language. <laughs> um, my younger self. You are still going to be single at 35. <laughs> <laughs> so just calm it down. Calm it down. It's fine. You are fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no, I wouldn't. I mean, I might say that because it was always like, oh, my God, I'm 28. I'm like, buckle up, sister. <laughs> I was actually just talking with a friend about this today that when Jenna first asked me to come on with Blessed Is She, the discernment was so easy and like bursting with joy. I had like this vivid image of Jesus inviting me out of the boat and I like ran on the water to him and he threw his head back and was laughing. And that's been an image that I can go back to every time. And it feels even just telling you that right now, I can feel it in my body, like the joy and the surety of it. And so I remember thinking, even, you know, as I was transitioning out of youth ministry into this role, I kept going back and the Lord would like flood me with peace and joy and expectation. And I thought to myself, is this what discernment is supposed to be like? Is it supposed to be like so obvious? This is crazy. And now that we're like in it and it's, I mean, so just supernaturally blessed and bigger than my wildest dreams for sure. <laughs> I think on hard days or challenging days, days that I'm pretty sure I can't do it, I can go back to that discernment. And so I understand the grace of that moment that it wasn't that I did discernment right. It was that the Lord knew <laughs> that I was going to have to know that it was going to be okay and that I was absolutely called to it. So that's really good. Can anyway. I talk yeah. about the spiritual principle that's kind of there? Yeah. So Jesus says in the gospel, remain in me. So anytime like in prayer, I feel dry. My spiritual director always say like, you have past graces because I could journal about them. And just like you just said, like kind of even bringing it to mind brings it back. It's remember in the Old Testament, every time they go in like a big battle, God would have them, like the prophet would say like, is this not the God who, and then he would remind them of all these things God mm. had done for them in the past. He's trying to like remind them in the present, like he's the same God. Yeah. <laughs> he's the one who led you out of Egypt, out of slavery with strong hand and mighty outstretched arm, so on and so forth, right? And so it's also true in our prayer lives. Like when we feel like we're in valleys where we feel far from the Lord, you can remain in him by calling to mind because he's outside of space and time. So mm -hmm. that grace, so to speak, is like always present to us. And it's just saying, God, I like dispose myself to receive that again. I'm not manufacturing it because I can't do that. It's not like Christian prayer, but I'm just opening myself and disposing myself like, Lord, if you want to give me that grace again, I would really like to receive. Mm. And it's kind of a way to just remain in him. So, yeah, that's really good. It's like a perfect example of that. Thanks, Father. You're welcome. <laughs> you know what I think about sometimes? What Jesus's laugh must have sounded like. Yeah. Who was the one that said that to us the first time? Was it Heather Kim? Heather Kim. Like how charismatic that drew people to him just yeah. by his like simple laugh, just by his joy. And I mean, there must have been something about Jesus that was magnetic. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody once said Jesus was so human. He must've been God. Mm. Wow. Which, which I love. Like, so cool. It's like the fulfillment of what our human nature should look like. So yeah. if that's true, then his laugh must've been free. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I don't know. It's fun to think about. Yeah. Do you know what I actually wanted to talk to you about? The idea that I had to ask you yes. when we first talked about you coming on the podcast is this question that you love to ask strangers. 
who inspires you? Yes. <laughs> so Father Parks, who inspires you? Right now, I've said changes here and there. Yeah. Right now, I would say St. Philip Neri. I, I just got done reading a biography of him, and it was really super amazing. He had this incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit. His heart like grew basically doubled its size, broke a couple of his ribs. He would, he would like shake when he would pray. He's an amazing guy, but he just had this profound encounter with the Holy Spirit, which shaped his life. And also his, he was so creative in proclaiming the gospel. So when the gospel was doing something, I'm sorry, when the culture was doing something crazy, like the Romans were having these carnivals that were crazy, debaucherous, all that, he wouldn't condemn it. He would just look at it, kind of see like the deep human desire there. And then he would offer like another creative Christian, like alternative, right? So he wasn't like trying to destroy like a culture of death. He was trying to build a culture of life. So we mm. have an option, a choice. Yeah. And so I just love how free he is in that. He's just so creative and he's like, well, everyone wants good things. So there's some good that this, these people want by doing this. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to like propose to them like the authentic good, the truly good, the, the fullness, you know? So I love that. And it just has me thinking a lot about like how to evangelize and how to be creative and how to use beauty and all that. The other was a woman named Stephanie Gray, who's a Canadian pro-life speaker, who is, she's really Catholic. She's delightfully Catholic and she's the best pro-life speaker I've ever seen. And obviously like, Pro-life stuff can be, when you when you debate people, it can be like controversial. And she has a meal or coffee with the person the day before, whoever she's debating. And she just says, we can't talk about abortion. Because <laughs> wow. like, I want to just get to know you as like a person. And she's just the most like delightful, joyful warrior I've ever seen. Like her mind is so clear, so crisp. But when you see her, when she debates, she's just so kind. And nothing's a competition. I'm not like battling you. I'm just seeking the truth out loud. And here's why I think this is true. And here's why I can show you why it's true. And yeah. And if we end up closer to the truth afterwards, we both win. Wow. So nobody has to lose. And so it's really super delightful. So anyway, it makes me want to be like that. So those two people inspire me. Wow. Thanks what a, me. what a brilliant, um, I, I don't know, to have dinner with the people that you're debating and then not, it just humanizes Absolutely. her and them. That's cool. Do you know what the number one answer is that I've gotten though? Asking people who inspires you and why? Who? Mom. Wow. Mom's the number one answer. Not like substantial. It's not like one out of two, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's the clear number one. That's cute. Yeah. So Sweet. well done, moms. <laughs> Thanks for chatting, guys. Yes, thank you. Let's so pray. Fun. Father, do you mind leading us in prayer? No. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are not only with us, that you are for us. Please give us the joy of the gospel, that we know that in you we are powerful and victorious, and that we would uh, proclaim the resurrection to all those that we meet by the witness of our lives and by our words. And we ask this, Jesus, through your most holy name. Amen. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.